0: moment can change an entire world. Well, good morning. Welcome to Crosstown. We are so glad that you guys are with us this morning. Uh, if you are visiting with us this morning, I just want to take a second and introduce myself. My name is Stacy McLean. My husband Chris and I have uh, been calling Crosstown home now for about 16 years. I gauge it on my oldest child because she was a newborn when we started coming. So, um, And we've had the privilege of serving here at Crosstown. I get to be a part of the teaching team. And so we are thrilled that you're with us this morning, especially Especially during this season. Last week, Pastor Paul kicked off our Series C, and so we're excited for you to be here and to hear what um, we are learning new through the Christmas story during the season of Advent. But speaking of Advent, I want to remind you of a couple of things. So if you have our app, then you can go on our app and click on our Advent section, and we have a daily devotional that we're providing for you. And if you're a family and you're looking for a way to really kind of slow down the moment of the holiday and and spend some time reflecting on more than just the tree and the decorations and the food and the gifts, uh, our Advent devotion is a great opportunity for you to do that. So I encourage you to check out that devotion. We'll be posting every single day between now and Christmas Day activities and verses and things for you guys to do. So I encourage you to do that. And also wanted to say thank you to everyone who is a REACH volunteer. If you are a part of us, then you know that those that's the team of people who uh, go out and serve here on Sunday mornings to make this happen. So if you volunteer in any way, whether it's on Sunday mornings or leading a small group, but if you are a part of Crosstown and you serve and you're on our REACH team, we want to invite you to join us this Friday night uh, here at church for our REACH party. You do not want to miss it. We're going to provide fabulous food, lots of fun, and I promise you, you will laugh really hard. So um, we're excited for you guys to join us for that. I encourage you to do that. Come, enjoy food and fellowship And so just wanted to let you know about those things that are going on. But like I said, last week, Pastor Paul kicked off this new series called C, And he explained to us that this series isn't to get us in the Christmas mood. I don't know about you guys, but I know um, when I was a little girl, sometime after Thanksgiving and before like December 10th or 12th, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my mom would go running through the house screaming, I got it! I got it! I got it. And that meant she had the Christmas spirit and now we can decorate. But we couldn't do that until my mom got it. And I was like, I will never do that to my children. We will decorate the day after Thanksgiving for the rest of my life, which is exactly what we do. But this series isn't just to get us in the Christmas mood. This series really is to help us to see the story from different perspective, from different eyes. Um, You know, he talked last week about the idea of having an epiphany to be able to see something with an understanding and a realization that it changes our life, that it changes who we are. And um, I think he challenged us and he, he talked to us about, he said, you know, what are some reasons that we have trouble seeing? What are some things that block our vision, our sight of seeing God moving around us? And he came up with um, these reasons. He said, doubt busyness, over-familiarity, or the implications of seeing it. And so for me, I started thinking about that. What What is it that blocks my perception of seeing the Christmas story new, having new understanding, new insight into it? And it didn't take very long for me to realize, for me, it's over-familiarity. Um, I, my background is that I grew up in church. I grew up always, my whole life, I don't ever remember not knowing about Jesus being born in a manger and being wrapped in swaddling clothes. So when I read those verses in Luke that talk about him being laid in a manger and being wrapped in swaddling clothes, and those that would be a sign to the shepherds, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. I know. I've done that. I've read that. I've been there. I've seen those plays. So there's an over-familiarity with me in that. And so this past week, I asked God to help remove that over-familiarity for me. And I said, You know, let me experience, let me have an epiphany, let me behold the glory that is wrapped up in this story. Let me see it with new insight so that it will change how I respond to you, God, and to the world around me. And so over the last week, one of the big ideas that God kept just dropping into my head has a lot to do with that third song we just sang. The fact that God of the universe not only took on flesh, But he came in the form of an infant. He didn't have to come in the form of an infant. But he did. He came as a baby. And not just any baby to any family. But to a very poor family from Nazareth. And we know later in the gospel account, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. It was like kind of a a small little burrow, Not a place that you would want to come. And that's where The God of the universe chose to come and to put on flesh as an infant. He was completely dependent on other people to take care of him. He was fully a baby. Like, if you've ever been around a newborn or you have one, you understand. They depend on you for everything. And he chose to come in that way. And so for me, removing myself from the familiarity of the story was very eye-opening. Henry David Thoreau said, it's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. And see, for me, I've looked at the Christmas story a thousand times. Well, 44 actually, because I'm 44 years old, so it's only been 44 times probably. But every year, I've looked at the Christmas story. But this year, I got to see it with new eyes, with fresh vision, with an epiphany and an understanding that the God of the universe chose to come as a small infant, completely dependent. And so today we're going to continue looking at a new way to see the Christmas story. And how can we see this Christmas story? Um, you know, last week, Pastor Paul introduced us to the guy Zachariah. And he's one of the players in the Christmas story, but he's probably not one that gets the most notoriety. Um, if you haven't been in church or didn't grow up in church, you may not have heard much about Zachariah. But the way Zachariah was described in the Bible was that he was blameless, that that he lived a life that was honoring to God, that he was righteous. I mean, he sounds like a really awesome guy and had really good credentials. Today we're going to look at a person who's probably the most famous other than Jesus in the Christmas story, um, and that's Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we're going to take a look at Mary. Mary was not described as being blameless and righteous in the way that Zachariah was, even though those characteristics may have been true of Mary and probably were true of Mary. The way Mary is described as favored, she's the favored one. She has found favor in the eyes of God. See, when I read that description of Mary, I'm like, well, then I definitely can't be Mary in the Christmas story because I don't feel favored by God. I don't, I feel unworthy of the favor of God. I feel like I don't do enough things right. I do too many things wrong to get the favor of God. But what I discovered when I began reading this story and really digging into what does it mean That word favored actually means found grace with God. She found grace with God. The word favored that's used in the scripture that we're going to be reading today is the same word that also gets translated as grace later. When the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus in his letter um, called Ephesians, it says, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. See what Mary understood and what. we're going to be looking at Mary's response. So Mary interacts with a lot of people in the Christmas story. And we're going to be looking at Mary's response. And we want our response to be like Mary's. And what Mary understood was that she was a recipient of God's grace. That she needed God's grace. She needed the favor of God. Because apart from it, we are nothing and we can do nothing. As a matter of fact, that whole nothing will be impossible for God, that comes out of Luke. You see that, that when the angel's talking, He's telling Mary, look, with God, there's nothing that's impossible. And what Mary understood was that she needed to receive the grace of God. We need to receive the grace of God, the forgiveness of our sins. And if we have accepted Christ as our Savior, then we have received that grace. Even if you don't feel like it, because I will be honest, this past week I did not feel like I was sitting in the grace of God. I actually felt like I was in the middle of a hurricane because I was sick all week. I felt terrible all week. I wasn't able to spend as much time reading his word and pressing in and setting myself apart like I would normally like to do to prepare. But what I understood was His grace is bigger than anything that I can do. It's not about my actions. I think a lot of times in the South, and I grew up in the South, so I can pick on the South. Pastor Paul grew up in Boston, so he can pick on people from Boston. I can't, but I can pick on people from the South. And I'm not really picking on them so much. But I think in the South, a lot of times in Bible Belt Christianity, we boil down Christianity to a bunch of moral checklists. Did we read our Bible? Did we pay our tithes? Did we attend church on Sunday? And what I want to encourage you to know is the grace of God is bigger than any of that. Those are good things to do, but that's not what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. A relationship with Jesus Christ looks like Absolutely being a hot mess all the time and saying, God, you got to help me. How can you help me do this? God, I need you or I can't do this. That's what grace looks like. Grace looks like making a mistake, asking for forgiveness, and then getting back up and standing firm in the promises of God's word. And so as we look at Mary's response today, I want to encourage you to be willing to be confident in the truth of God's promises because God's promises are true for every single one of us, but we get to choose, do we want to receive that grace? Do we want to enter into that? And if you have given your life to Christ, then you have received it, even if you don't feel it. Because I know for a lot of us, we don't feel that way, but we're going to talk about where Where do we want to be this Christmas season? Do we want to rest in, a, in our feelings, or do we want to reside in the abiding hope of our Savior, Jesus Christ? And hopefully as we look at Mary today, we can see that So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to jump around a little bit um, in the story because we really want to focus on the response. And the truth is, we probably most of us know this story very well because we've heard it time and time again. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard about Mary. I mean, even in movies that aren't anything to do with a Christian perspective, like Four Christmases, which is kind of a funny movie. I'm not endorsing that you watch it. But there's a whole scene about Mary and Joseph in the middle of that movie. So you kind of know the story, but we're going to be in Luke uh, chapter one. I'm going to read verses 28 and 29. This is when the angel is coming to Mary and um, listen to this. He came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So the angel is coming to her, and he is saying, hey, this is when he's telling her she's going to conceive a baby. Um, And he says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And her response is, she's greatly troubled and tries to discern what it means. See, I'm thinking if just today, you know, 2019, an angel of the Lord appeared to me and said, Oh, Stacy, favored one. Um, I probably would be like, "Sweet. I did it right. All right. There you go." But no, Mary was much wiser than I am because she was greatly troubled, and she tried to discern this meaning. You know why? Because Mary knew every fault she had. Mary knew that she was a sinner in need of the grace of God. Mary knew that she wasn't living up to everything that she knew God was calling her to do. And so she was troubled at this because she was trying to process and understand. It actually means she was in great mental anguish over it. Have you ever been in mental anguish over what you know that that God's calling you to do, and then what you actually are doing. I mean, I'm there often. And so that's where Mary is. She's kind of freaking out because this angel is appearing to her. But it wasn't necessarily the angel that freaked her out. It was the greeting that freaked her out. It wasn't the fact that there was an angel standing before her so much as what the angel was saying. She's freaking out because she's like, Wait a second, you're saying that I'm favored? That God has favor towards me? Yes, and I'm telling you this morning. You have the favor of God. You do not have to ask God for favor. He has given you favor. He has given you grace. That grace goes with you. It goes to every single one of us. And so Mary's trying to figure out what's going on. And so Mary's response to the angel, though, as we'll find out, is exactly what we want our response to be. So how does she get there? Because Mary begins trying to discern what this greeting means Mary's trying to ponder to think carefully to consider what does this greeting mean and sometimes when God speaks to us we need to really consider what he's saying to us we need to try and understand what he's saying because a lot of times I hear God speak to me now I've never heard God audibly I've never heard the voice of God and so when God speaks to me it's in my voice. And if you know me or you've interacted with me, then you know I'm a sarcastic person. So God is very sarcastic with me at times. But really, that's not true. That's just the way I hear him, and I have to filter through that. Am I the only one who thinks sometimes that God gets super frustrated with me? I mean, have you ever felt like God's probably just gets frustrated with you? God gets disappointed with you because you said you were going to do this, and you said you were going to not do that anymore, and you're going to try to be better at this, and you're going to try to work harder at this? I feel like God gets frustrated at me, and then I have all this negative self-talk in my head because I'm sarcastic to myself, and when I hear God talk, it comes through my voice, voice to me, and I have to filter it, and I have to discern, like Mary, wait, what what is me and what is God? And that's a very tough place to be, is to discern what thoughts, what ideas are in my head that are created by me and what thoughts are God's thoughts towards me. And so one of the things that I have done is I've put guardrails in place around the thoughts that come into me. I've put guardrails around, well, how would God speak to me? Would God say that to me? Would God say, golly, Stacy, I knew you were going to mess up again. I knew it. I knew you were going to do that. I can't believe you did that again. You're terrible. You're no good. Nobody wants to be your friend because you say things like this or you do things like that. I, when I hear that, then I remember those guardrails I have in place. no. God would never speak to me that way. Now, if God convicts my heart, it's going to be clear and to the point. And He does that to me. Um, just Friday night, I said something probably that I shouldn't say to some friends. And so it was a clear, straight conviction hey, you need to apologize for what you said. And I did. And then they said grace and peace to you. And God said you're forgiven. But it wasn't this like ongoing berating of you're a terrible person, you're a horrible person. Because the guardrails that I have in place come from God's word. And God's word says that everything he speaks to me will be spoken with grace, truth, and love. So those are the guardrails that you need to put in place as you are trying to discern what God is speaking to you this morning. Because if it is negative, don't blame God for the negative self-talk like I do. I blame God for the negative self-talk in my head. And he's like, hey, I don't speak to you that way. You know, and one of the things that has really helped me process that is um, my husband will tell me like when I say, yeah, I think God told me this because he's really trying to rebuke me on this. He's like, no, that's not, that's not how God speaks to you. He's not going to speak to you in a tone that is negative. And he's like, stop saying that about yourself. I had a friend say something negative about herself last night, and I popped her on the side of the head in love. I just, She said, did you just hit me? I said, I did just hit you because if anyone else had said that about you, I would have hit them too. Don't talk about yourself like that. I'm not going to let you do that. And we need to do that to ourselves sometime. Stop with the negative self-talk. Put that guardrail in place that everything God speaks to you will be spoken in love and full of grace, even if it's a word of correction. It will be spoken in love and full of grace. And that's what Mary understood. Mary understood as she tried to discern it. At first she was greatly troubled. But we will see Mary's response over and over again. Mary pondered. Mary discerned. Mary treasured things in her heart. She didn't understand how it was always going to work out. But she always tried to consider To really think about it. And Mary had these guardrails in place. That's how she could respond the way that she responded. So let's continue listening in Luke um, chapter 1 starting in verse 30. The angel continues to speak to Mary. And he says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You have been given the grace of God. And behold, see... angel with a question too. How can I know this? How can I know this to be true? And then Gabriel's response was, because I'm Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and I'm telling you. And because you responded with doubt, now you're going to be quiet. You're going to be silent. Mary wasn't responding with doubt. Mary was responding with an idea to see. Zachariah was not ready to see. Mary was ready to see. And she's saying, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. So she wasn't doubting. She was just like, okay, but can you give me a little bit of how this is going to work out? She believed the angel to be speaking the truth. And this is unbelievable. Again, this is where familiarity with the story kind of gets lost on us. This is not how first century Jews thought the Messiah was going to come. They did not think the Messiah was going to come in the form of a baby. I know Isaiah prophesied that in Isaiah 9, I think, or 6, about there will a virgin will be born a child. They really didn't understand what Isaiah was talking about because it sounded like that had already happened. And so they didn't understand that. They were looking for a king. They were looking for a grown man to ride in on a horse and oppress the Roman Empire and set the Jewish people free and the nation of Israel free and to reign as king. That's what they were looking for. So the idea that this angel is telling her, oh, by the way, you're going to have a baby, and then this baby is going to grow up, and this baby is going to become the son. He is the son of the Most High, and he is going to bring freedom to the captives. That was unbelievable. And she said, okay, I believe that. I believe that. But... Could you tell me how that's going to happen? And so Zechariah was rebuked because of his unbelief or his disbelief or because of his, not a doubt in God, but a doubt in, could this really be true? But Mary responded with, I see, I see, but I just don't understand. And so Mary was given an explanation. Zechariah was given a punishment. Mary was given an explanation. So We have to ask ourselves, how did Mary get to that point? How could Mary respond that way and get to that point where she said, okay, I'm ready to see this? Again, it goes back to the question that we've asked ourselves last week. What's blocking your vision? If you haven't asked yourself that question from last week, I encourage you to do that, to ask God what's blocking your vision. It may be doubt. It may be fear. It may be busyness. I don't know what it is for you, um, but you know, I think some of us may be even at a place where we're afraid to ask that question. Some of us are afraid to even ask God because it's that whole idea about the implication of seeing it. But it's going to change me. It's going to change the way I interact with my spouse. It's going to change the way I interact with my children. It's going to change the way I interact with my enemies. And some of us are afraid of that. And so I want to just tell you, um, you know, I think one of the boldest prayers that any of us can pray is, Lord, Lord. I'm not there yet, but give me courage to want to be there. So if you find yourself this morning even afraid to ask God what's blocking your vision, I want to ask you to pray one of the boldest prayers that you could ever pray. Lord, I'm not there yet, but give me courage to want to be there. And I promise you, our faithful God will give you that courage. You just put that before Him and He'll give you that courage. See, Mary had the courage to see even when she didn't have all the answers. Mary did not know how all the details of her life were going to work out. But listen to what her response was. So she asked the angel, how is this going to be? And he tells her that the the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her, and he's going to overshadow her with this cloud, and then she's going to conceive this child. And at the end of that, this is Mary's response. Mary said, behold, I see I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See, Mary did not have the full story. She didn't understand because even when the angel said, Okay, well, the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you and he's gonna overshadow you. Well, what does that mean? She didn't continue asking. She said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. May we all see. The story, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the lens that Mary saw it, the idea of grace on our lives, so that we can respond. Behold, let it be to me, your servant, according to your word. Mary didn't need to know all the details. See, I need to know all the details. I need to know, okay, God, well, how's that going to happen? How's that going to work out? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? And sometimes I need to just say, let it be, God. Let it be. I'm going to say yes without knowing all the details because the truth is Mary didn't exactly understand everything that was going to happen to her. And the truth is it wasn't all rosy for Mary. We know in another account in the Gospels that Joseph actually had decided he was going to divorce her. They were betrothed, which is a legal binding thing in that time in their culture. They would be betrothed. They would legally be married for a year before they actually lived together and acted as a married couple. So they were in that year period um, where she was betrothed, and it took a divorce to stop that to, for them to be betrothed. And so, we see in another gospel that Joseph had decided he was going to divorce Mary. So, there had to be a time where Mary went to Joseph and said, Hey, this angel appeared to me, and this is what's happening. And Joseph was like, eh. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't believe you. You're crazy. But Mary never wavered. Mary never wavered. She believed. God at his word. She trusted God because she had an unwavering faith in who he was and trusting his grace. And so the reality for Mary is she ended up having a baby in a stable and then she had to flee with her newborn baby and her husband over to Egypt because the king was trying to kill her baby. And then when she finally years later got back to Nazareth, then She watched as her adult son was murdered on a cross. Don't you think Mary was still going, I don't understand, I don't understand. But the truth is, she didn't waver. She held on to the hope. Because we see in another gospel account, she was standing at the cross. She did watch her son Die on a cross. And we now know that three days later he was raised from the dead. That he was resurrected. She did not know that. She did not know how the story was going to unfold. And the truth is we don't know how our stories are going to unfold. But we can hold on to God's truth. God's love. God's faithfulness. That's where we can hold on. That's where our hope is going to come from. It's going to come from the idea that we can trust God to be a faithful God. Even when we don't know how the story unfolds. I don't know how the rest of my life is going to play out. But what I do know is I serve a faithful God. You serve a God who is faithful. And his faithfulness never runs out and it never ends. It may take some time for me to see how it's all going to play out. But it's never going to run out on us. Um. Look at how, when the shepherds visited, so the shepherds were told that they were gonna uh, they were gonna see this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. The angel told them that, and that was gonna be their sign. And so the shepherds ran over and they saw the baby, and then they told everyone. Listen to Mary's response when the shepherds came again. Remember, we're looking at Mary's responses. And when they saw it, when the shepherds saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. See, the shepherd said, an angel appeared and told us that the sign was going to be that we were going to see this baby in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And everyone else was like, what? What? What's going on? How is that? And Mary, but Mary She pondered that. She treasured that in her heart. And again, she was like, God is faithful. Look, God is speaking. God is faithful. And she treasured that. She pondered that in her heart. And so the truth is, during this Christmas season, we can wonder or we can marvel like people do, like the people around the shepherds, they all marveled and they were like in awe and like, wow, that's really cool. I don't know if I believe that or that's kind of a cool story. Or... We can choose to treasure and ponder. So do you want to experience a transient feeling or an abiding hope? This Christmas season, the season of Advent, where we're celebrating the anticipation of the birth of Christ that happened 2,000 years ago, do you want to base your Christmas season on a transient feeling that's here now and gone in January? Or do you want to place it on an abiding hope? Do you want to experience the abiding, dwelling, enduring hope of Jesus Christ? Because those transient feelings, good or bad, are transient. They're just that. They are not lasting. And every single one of you know what I mean. You know that. We've all had those feelings of like, man, we had a great week at work and everything's going well and the boss approved of what I did and I feel like I am on cloud nine and things are good. And then three weeks later, we make a mistake at work and everything falls apart and that feeling that we had is gone. It was transient. That what endures is an abiding hope a hope in something beyond myself. Again, the only reason I can stand on this stage and ever share anything that God shared with me is because my hope in my reality is that it is beyond me. It is, I am not capable in all of who I am. I am not capable to share with you the truth of God's word on my own. My hope resides in a faithful God. He will faithfully show up every single time because that's where my hope resides. So what are you going to choose? What am I going to choose? You know, are we going to trust that we have found favor with God even when we don't feel it? Because some of us sitting in this room this morning do not feel like we have, been, we have found favor with God. But I want you to know you can, you have received the grace of God. That God has given grace to all of us. But we get to choose that. Are we going to move past the marvel and the wonder of the season? And I'm not saying those are bad things. It's okay to marvel and to have that excitement. But if that's the only place that you're you're staying this Christmas season, you're not going to see it. You may be looking around but you're not gonna really see. You're not gonna begin to internalize the truth of who God is and what that means. Are we gonna move past that and move into the consideration of all that God has done to bring me and you the greatest gift in the whole world? Are we going to consider the gift that God gave to every single one of us? For God so loved the world, he gave a gift to us in the form of his son Jesus Christ So that we can be that recipient of the grace. Mary at one point sings the magnificent, responds in what's known as the magnificent. And she talks about how she has a savior in God. That God has saved her that's the greatest gift that any of us could have. A few weeks ago, um, I woke up with an old hymn in my head and it said, all I have needed thy hand hath provided. I woke up with that and I was like, that's a weird, what's that? And I realized it's from great is thy faithfulness. Uh, And in that hymn, there's another line that says, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow that is the hope of jesus christ that there is strength for where you are today rely on the strength of god for whatever is around you and there is bright hope for tomorrow i do not know what tomorrow holds for me or you but what i know with a hundred percent confidence is there there is a bright hope for me tomorrow no matter what i see when i get up no matter what i look at when i get up in the morning I know that I will see a bright hope tomorrow because my God is faithful because great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. He is a faithful God. So no matter where you find yourself during this Christmas season, may we hold on to this abiding hope, which is God's strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. So during this moment, we're about to move into expressions Um, and as you heard in the video, this is just a time for you to respond to what God's calling us to do. So during this moment, maybe you want to come and you want to receive communion, the body and blood of Christ that was poured out for the forgiveness of my sin, for the forgiveness of your sin. Or maybe today, there's just that one thing that you're afraid of, nail it to the cross. Give it to Jesus and pick up his abiding hope. Or maybe for you today, you just can't see it at all. So we've got pastors and elders who see the hope, who know the hope, and who can help you have the eyes of your heart enlightened to know the riches of the glorious inheritance that we have been given in Christ Jesus. That's what the Apostle Paul says. I pray that the eyes of our hearts are enlightened. And so that's where we are this morning, that the eyes of our heart will be enlightened, will be illuminated with the love, the glory, and the grace of God so that we can receive that and we can abide in a hope that endures because great is thy faithfulness. Father God, great is thy faithfulness. You are faithful yesterday, today and tomorrow. You never change, Father, even though the circumstances of my life can change in an instant. Great is thy faithfulness. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that you are opening our eyes to behold the beauty, the grace, the faithfulness, the compassion, the mercy, and the love that this Christmas season has for each one of us. Father, meet us where we are this morning. If we need courage, God, give me courage. Give me courage to believe you in the things that I'm struggling with. Give me courage to put my hope in you and give me courage to surrender to you, to trust you. Here is my life, Lord, take it. It is yours from beginning to end. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen.